Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Bridge of the South Carolina primary. Well, he knows it is a political problem. And this afternoon, Donald Trump urged one of the most conservative states in this country to do something about it. The former president posting uh, and calling on the Alabama legislature to act quickly to find an immediate solution to preserve the availability of IVF in Alabama. And now the Biden campaign is responding, saying, quote, give me a break. Come on in. Thanks for being with us. I'm Blake Berman. This is The Hill on News Nation. Not sure what. All right, happy Friday, hanging out with us today. Chris Steyerwalt, News Nation political editor. Julia Manchester, national political reporter for The Hill. Max Rose, former Democratic congressman from the state of New York. Roma Duravi is a former Trump White House official. And Mick Mulvaney, former Trump White House chief of staff, News Nation contributor as well. Hello, hello, happy Friday. We made it to the end of the week. I like the Brady you Bunch like the, You like the Brady that's Bunch good. boxes? Yeah, that's a new thing. We're still trying that's things. Very good. I like that. Uh, big moment, I thought, earlier today with Donald Trump, and he mentioned it out on the campaign trail today as it relates to IVF and what happened in the state of Alabama. Here was the former president just a little while ago. Watch. We want to make it easier for mothers and fathers to have babies, not harder. You know that. That includes, and you saw this, it was a big deal over the last few days, that includes supporting the availability of fertility treatments like IVF in every state in America. All right, Chris, talk to me about this. What, what, what was the reason for Trump forcefully coming out today like this? Uh, it's been a huge story. The Alabama decision has been enormous, and it goes right to uh, the heart of a general election weakness for Republicans, uh, which is the perception of extremism on abortion. Uh, Trump trying to clean that up. Uh, it tells you how confident he feels in his victory in South Carolina, mm. that in a state where a lot of people who are conscientious, sincere, profound pro-lifers who are anguished over the question of the destruction of embryos, uh, that Trump is feels comfortable to lean into this and say, we're moving into general election mode. Mick, uh, what would you make of the former president doing this? Uh, I think Chris is, is right generally because it is it is a general election pitch that's probably not going to pick up any voters in South Carolina. A lot of folks here believe that embryos are children anyway. If you're a devout Christian, that's part of part of the faith. But what I was struck by um, it was was the demeanor by with he, he, with which he delivered that line. 
clearly, when you watch Trump speak, you know when he's reading the teleprompter and you know when he's actually speaking. That was clear off the teleprompter, which means this was done on purpose. But I also got the feeling he's not warmed up to this one yet. He was delivering the line because they told him to, but I'm not sure he's really settled on this yet. Well, look, I'll say one thing that the Democrats have done well with this issue is feed the narrative that Republicans are extremists on abortion. We know that's not the case. You can talk to any number of the former presidential candidates that were running, and they'll tell you that they don't believe that. Um, Republicans are very pro-life. I'm very pro-life, and no one will apologize for that. But we are the party of the family. We are the party that wants to protect children and protect the future. Now, look, look, wherever you stand on the abortion issue, we can all agree this has been a political loser for Republicans over the last however many election cycles, especially that we've seen all over the country, and partly why you've seen the Biden campaign jump on this. And it has been a great motivator for Democratic yeah. uh, candidates in special elections, and we've seen it again and again. But I will just remind you <clears throat> that the Republican coalition, the one of the motivating parts of the Republican coalition is the pro-life movement. Um, and they've warned Trump before. Uh, they warned him in Iowa. They've said several times, I don't think this is going to be that big of a problem for him. But Mick is 100 million percent right for people who believe this to be true, that this is life. Donald Trump today is saying, yeah, well, sometimes some, some lives are different. Than Here's what the Biden campaign is saying, Max. Give me a break. Donald Trump created this reality. He brags about it. He's running campaign ads on it. He can't run away from his record. First of all, they're correct. And second of all, this is a gigantic, huge loser for the Republican Party. That's not a partisan statement. That's just fact here. I mean, it, one door leads to the other. The row ruling, then or the Dobbs ruling, then opens the door to extremist rulings and extremist legislative action all across the country. We all know for a fact that every Republican pollster and consultant and whoever else does not want this campaign to be about choice or abortion or anything else to that effect or family because it's a loser. And with rulings like this, you can absolutely ensure that it will continue to be number one on people's minds. I have to disagree completely. I mean, that that notion is the same thing that the Biden White House is using. It's this idea fear-mongering when they're talking about the fact that you're going to lose all your rights to your own body. That is not at all what overturning Roe v. Wade was about. It's about giving the power back to the states. And President Trump is the clear leader for the Republican Party. That's why I'm not surprised at all, as Mick said, that he clearly went off script to make his point known. We used to do tap dancing like that about the defund (laughs) the police (laughs) and about open borders. And oh, I swear, we had had six sentences that were prepackaged to say it's not about this, it's about that. This is a loser. A loser. Speaking of tap dancing, you had an interesting moment real quick with Tommy Tuberville, the Republican senator from Alabama, on this just the other day. Yeah, at CPAC, went up to him, asked what he thought about the ruling. At first said it was great. Then when confronted about the issue about women not having access to IVF, it was, oh, well, that's concerning. Do you think an embryo is a child? Yes. Well, what do you think of the ruling? Well, I haven't read it yet. It's a state issue. It's emblematic of how Republicans have been responding to this. All right. Speaking of Republicans, here in Washington today, you can almost think of it as apprentice tryout day. Two of those uh, Donald Trump is potentially considering as a possible running mate rallied the conservative faithful at the annual conservative political action conference, otherwise known as CPAC. I'm just going to say it. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, 
They suck. <laughs> Joe Biden is not fit to be president. And Kamala is no backup plan. You have the corrupt Joe Biden crime family lining their pockets from illegal influence peddling schemes. The Biden crime family. Elise Stefanik, before that, Christy Nome, uh, governor of South Dakota. Mick, was this tryout day here in Washington? Sure, and you're going to see it again and again between now and the convention. I th both of these um, ladies are on my short list, along with Ben Carson and Tim Scott, as we've talked about. There's a reason they are there. There's a reason they're trying to look like they are vice presidential. I think they're both going to be very capable and both going to be considered very seriously for the job. But again, I don't think you're going to see Donald Trump do anything soon on this because he loves the attention as to when he's going to make a decision and who he's going to make the decision about. It's apprentice, vice presidential version. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I seldom can I say anymore uh, that you're disappointed. But when you hear the language like that, you went, you went, you uh, went, as gross. you heard it. It's such pandering. It's so unnecessary. It's so rotten. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, what Mick is 100 percent right, which is that it will be a race to the bottom for a lot of these folks. But my money is on Senator Katie Boyd Britt from hmm. Alabama to be oh. Trump's running mate. That's, uh, that, I, I think that's the, the, I think it would be the right choice for Trump because he's going to need to suck up to some of the mainstream Republican community and she's managed to straddle both mm. worlds and she's not as relentlessly ambitious as the two women you okay. just saw. Mm. You even had Mick Here's the one on take that. on that though. Yeah, the only thing on that is he doesn't really know her. You're right. It, it, it checks a lot of boxes. I hadn't thought about her, Chris. But he doesn't know her. And I think he's a little bit concerned about picking somebody that he's not that close to. He doesn't want to get down. Keep in mind, you can fire anybody in the administration. You can replace anybody. You could put an acting person anywhere except in the vice president's office. So he's sort of stuck with that person the whole time. That's the only thing. i got to give that some more thought because it makes some sense. It does check a couple boxes. Right um, out of central but I casting. I always wonder... Right out of central she casting. She is out of central casting, <laughs> but he doesn't know her, and I'm not sure he wants to, he's not sure she's loyal enough yet because he's not had that okay. experience with her like he has with Christine Elise. All right, meantime, out on the campaign trail at this hour, both Trump and Nikki Haley set to speak at different events in South Carolina ahead of tomorrow's Republican primary in that state. The next test, I guess a test for one of them potentially, in the nomination fight Trump is going to keynote the annual Black Conservative Federation Honors Gala in Columbia, South Carolina, this evening. Haley, meanwhile, is going to hold a rally in Mount Pleasant. Joining us now uh, to discuss what's at stake, Hogan Gidley, former Trump deputy press secretary, former executive director of the South Carolina Republican Party, by the way, also an advocate for Donald Trump. I think you're in South Carolina right now. No, I think I'm a new young cub reporter out on the beat for News Nation. I'm actually at CPAC right now, Blake Berman. Oh, you're at, coming to you're you at live. CPAC. Yes, I'm at CPAC. Uh, but I was in South Carolina for the last six days speaking at Hilton Head, Bluffton, Beaufort, okay. Charleston, and also in the Upstate as well on behalf of the former president. So I've I've been around the block in the last several days. All right, all right, getting your frequent flyer miles, uh, Hogan. What are you expecting in South Carolina? A big win for Donald Trump. What I was shocked by as I went around the state, I talked about Donald Trump's uh, successes, what he did for all the communities in this country, regardless of race, religion, color, or creed, the policies he put in place that put America first for the first time in decades. What I was struck by was that so many people in the Republican Party don't like Nikki Haley and are angry at her for actually deciding to run at all. 
They don't like the fact she's using Democrat donor money from billionaires. They don't like the fact she said she wouldn't run uh, if Donald Trump ran and then she is running anyway. And they don't like the fact she's trying to take the party back to kind of that, uh, you know, uh, establishment, um, you know, elitist, uh, globalist wing that we've weighed by to a long time ago. They're just angry at her. They're frustrated with her. They'd rather be talking about Joe Biden, not Nikki Haley at this point. And they don't like what she's saying on the trail can be used in advertising. They don't like that either. Uh, Hogan, you're cutting out a little bit, so I'll leave you with this. Uh, give me a number. Trump wins, you think, tomorrow by, by how much? I'm going to say 30 on the nose. 30 on the nose. Live look, by the way, of Donald Trump. Hogan, I'll see you down there in South Carolina tomorrow. Safe travels. Hogan Gidley, former principal deputy press secretary in the Trump White House. Thanks, guys. Thanks, as always. Appreciate it. Uh, Coming up here on the Hill as we take that live look, Rock Hill, South Carolina. I've been to Rock Hill, by the way. I moderated an event uh, with Ron DeSantis there. Um, You're breaking down what you expect tomorrow? Yep. We'll drop the, we'll look on the both sides of the barbecue line. We'll see what's going on in the upstate. We'll see what's going on with the coastal elites. We'll check it out. It's going to be great. Steyerwall breaks it down on the other side of the break when the Hill on News Nation returns. Live look. All right. Welcome back tomorrow. Voters in South Carolina will get to have their say on who they believe should be the next Republican nominee for president. So what are we likely to see? Steyerwalt here to break it all down. Chris. Ooh. Okay. South Carolina. Um, Do you care? Should you care? Does it matter to you that the Republican Party of South Carolina is going to have what we call a firehouse primary uh, to uh, tomorrow in South Carolina? This is a party run primary. That's why it's taking place on a Saturday. It's open. If you didn't vote in the Democratic primary, regardless of your partisan affiliation, you can vote in this contest today. Uh, So let's look at the first handy-dandy super-duper graphic. Here you go. Look at that. I don't know why we're in black and white. Maybe it's the the last episode of MASH. But here it is. These are uh, South Carolina's where the 50 delegates, 50 delegates out of many thousands of delegates, uh, but that's where they come from. In each congressional district, if you win the congressional district, you get those three delegates. If you win statewide, you ring the bell and you get another 29. Okay, here's what happened in South Carolina the last time Republicans had an open contest here, which is to say Donald Trump won, but won with a plurality. But look down the list there of those cats, right? Which of which of those people, where have those votes gone? Uh, most of Ted Cruz's votes will be with Donald Trump, right? Most of that share goes over to Donald Trump. Marco Rubio, some of that is going to go to Nikki Haley, all of Jeb Bush, all of John Kasich. Ben Carson, who knows? The Ben Carson mystery has always been the Ben Carson mystery. But you roughly see there what the breakdown in South Carolina was last time. Now, for your framing purposes, here is the result of the New Hampshire Republican primary. Nikki Haley got 43.3% of the vote. And basically what she and her campaign said initially, though they have tried to walk it back, they have tried to walk it back, basically said, this is the benchmark. She needs to do about this well to keep going. Now, they've walked it back and said she doesn't care. She'll stay in forever. She's not afraid of Donald Trump and all of that stuff. But look at the poll Uh, The most recent poll, this is a Suffolk University poll done with USA Today. She's under that mark, uh, and she's under it by eight points or so. Um, So what will happen? Let's bring up our black and white map again. Let's bring up up our retro map experience. Okay, 
the first congressional district, which you see down there along the seacoast at Charleston and its environs, that is the least Republican district uh, uh, that's up for grabs here. Uh, Trump only won it by 52 with 52 percent of the vote over Joe Biden uh, in uh, 2020. That's the worst performance for a Republican in that district this century. Uh, and this is a place where you have a lot of wealthy people. You have a lot of college-educated people. College-going rates and income are much higher there. It's more democratic. And in a weird twist, when the, the, the districts here that are actually democratic districts, uh, the Republicans win very easily because the Republicans who are there are very Trumpy Republican because they tend to be downscale, predominantly African-American or substantially African-American. So the Republican voters who are there are working-class Trump voters. So it's that in that first district where Nikki Haley has the chance to try to put some points on the board and keep this thing going. Steyerwalt breaks it down. Thank you, Chris. CD1. Yep. Uh, Mick, this is your home state. What do you think is going to yeah. happen? Um, I, I, I like that. that. That makes some sense. If, if Nikki's going to be competitive, it will be in Charleston, which is the home base of the 1st Congressional District. But I want to caution people against this concept of Democrats coming in, coming into the Republican primary to make a difference in the outcome. Keep in mind, we don't register by party in this state, so no one's really a Republican, really a Democrat. That's why it's really an open primary. But look, if you're a Democrat, you hate Donald Trump. You really do. Are you really going to vote for Nikki Haley, though? Because, I mean, ask the Democrats on the panel, who would Joe Biden rather face in November, Donald Trump or Nikki Haley? So if you're a, a strategic thinking Democrat voter, you're probably coming out to vote for Donald Trump because you think he's probably the only person that Biden can beat. So I sort of downplay that idea that South Carolina is like New Hampshire, and that Nikki can sort of close the gap. I think she loses by Chuck, a lot on Saturday. But as Chuck Mangione said, the, in the immortal words of Chuck Mangione, <laughs> feels so good. Right. So for Democrats, it feels so good to vote against Trump. There, there are Democrats who would get up and vote against Donald Trump every day. If they had a ballot box at the end of the show, street, Rose, they, show Rose. They, they would they Rose would definitely they would definitely go vote against Donald That's Trump because they like how it feels. What, what, what? And also, by the way, Nick or Mick, from a strategic point of view, it might be in some Democrats. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with Mick. Uh, that it's not going to be, it's not going to turn the tide and it's not going to be a stunning upset for Nikki Haley. But from a social psychological standpoint, mm -hmm. uh, it harasses Trump. It annoys Trump. The better that Nikki Haley does, the worse it is for Donald Trump in the general <coughs> election. So there's something to be said for being a pain in the tuchus. You, you were doing this. You were covering your face. You just have that Chuck Mangione stuff ready to go, huh? I, <laughs> I'm just saying it does. The flugelhorn is underrated. So here, here's, the, here's the thing. The... I actually think that Trump's obviously going to win, but he's going to win by less than people think. Because you have to remember, going back to the polling, every time someone does a poll, they're doing it off past turnout in whatever that election will be. They've modeled what a normal primary turnout looks like in South Carolina. And this is just going to be different. Nikki Haley is winning amongst new voters in the, in the Republican primary electorate, which is bad news for Trump. And he's 100% right. People are going to swarm out to vote against Trump for whatever opportunity that they'll get. But Trump will still win was, by double I was, digits. I was floored by the turnout in New Hampshire. Hmm. After the anemic showing in Iowa, 
I thought, ah, eh, the Republicans are done with this. People don't care about this race anymore. But they stormed out, and that's what Nikki Haley will have to count on. Yeah, can I just add one Real thing? Quick, yeah. There are plenty of areas where Trump is beating Nikki Haley two to one. Women is one, and that should be a shoe in for her. That's the whole argument that suburban women don't like Trump. You look at the polls. Trump is beating Nikki two to one. And you also look at the party as a whole, South Carolina aside, you know, late, the latest poll was Trump versus Biden, and there was only a four-point margin. Four points. Two points when it was independence. Four points when it was the country as a whole. So that's definitely within, um, you know, winning potential. There's no reason that Nikki Haley still needs we'll, to be in this race. We'll get final numbers from everyone here, what they think will happen at the end of the show. But first, we're starting something a bit new tonight. We'll be highlighting towns across the country with hill in their name just like this show tonight we're spotlighting rock hill south carolina about 25 miles south of charlotte uh, where president trump former president trump actually just held a rally we were showing you the live images town of roughly 75,000, represented by congressman ralph norman he's actually the only major lawmaker in the palmetto state that's backing nikki haley now rock hill was represented by Democrats from 1883 until 2010, <laughs> until an upstart congressman wow. by the name of Mick Mulvaney. Mulvaney. Steve Mulvaney, was it? Flipped it from blue to red in 2010. No, he flipped Hello it. Hello to right. our friends in Rock Hill watching on Carolina's <laughs> own Queen City News, our next star station, serving the area from our hill to yours, Mick Mulvaney's hometown area nice <laughs> yeah, tell Starwalt it wasn't dylan mulvaney that's for sure New York City deals with a major uh, surge of immigrants entering the city. The mayor there, Eric Adams, facing criticism over slashing funding to deal with the problem. Former Congressman Max Rose, what's going on in his hometown? Does he agree with the mayor? We'll ask Max. Other side of the break. Stay with us. I need answers to my tax questions. Where can I find them? Need answers? Try our interactive tax assistant on irs.gov forward slash ITA. Simply select your tax questions, provide your information, and it gives you answers. Also, check our help and resources page and try our online tax map. 5,000 tax topics from A to Z. Plus, you can access forms, publications in a variety of formats. Lindsey Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is kicking President's Day in the... Take 15% off on the popular Ram truck during Ram Truck Month. Take 10% off on Durango's and Grand Cherokee's. Plus, Chargers and Challengers now up to $5,000 off. Get paid to trade. Lindsey wants to buy your current vehicle and will give you up to 120% of KPD for it. President's Day deals all month long at Lindsey Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Don't miss it. See dealer for details. Substance use disorder and addiction is so isolating. And so as a black woman in recovery, hope must be loud. It grows louder when you ask for help and you're vulnerable. It is the thread that lets you know that no matter what happens, you will be okay. When we learn the power of hope, recovery is possible. Find out how at startwithhope.com. Brought to you by the National Council for Mental Well-Being, Shatterproof, and the Ad Council. You can't escape a traffic jam. Know what else you can't escape? Seasonal allergies. <laughs> and you might think you can avoid that coffee stain until... Oh, really? You can't escape a lot of things in life. 
but you can escape prediabetes. Prediabetes captures one in three adults. There are usually no signs of prediabetes. In fact, most people don't even know they have it. But with early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Take action by taking the one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. You might not be able to escape having this song stuck in your head. But you can escape prediabetes. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. You're listening to The Hill on News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. My name is DeMar Hamlin. I play for the Buffalo Bills and I play safety. CPR saved my life. I've teamed up with the American Heart Association as a national ambassador to help create a nation of lifesavers, turning bystanders into lifesavers through CPR education and access to AEDs. Nearly three out of four cardiac arrests that don't happen in hospitals happen in homes. Join me to ensure everyone has the chance to live longer, healthier lives. Visit heart.org slash nation. This is McGruff the Crime Dog, and I need you to help me take a bite out of crime. Counterfeit products are popping up everywhere. If you think buying them is harmless, think again. Counterfeits are usually made with hazardous and even lethal ingredients that could harm you and others. And the money you paid, it goes right into the hands of criminals. Remember, if you don't know where the products came from, how could you know where the money goes? You're smart. Buy smart. Go for real. Learn more at McGruffPSA.org. This message is brought to you by the United States Patent and Trademark Office and the National Crime Prevention Council. Moonwalk through the 80s and 90s on Rewind TV. This is a big deal! Your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place. Rewind TV. Just go to RewindTV.com and check it out. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after Dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. All right, welcome back here to The Hill. So the New York City Mayor, Eric Adams, is taking a step back from the city's budget, canceling the next round of budget cuts, or at least what was planned. But he will be slashing spending on immigrants by 10%. It comes to nearly $600 million. Max, uh, in your home city, the mayor making that decision. Yeah, so I think that, the first of all, what Eric Adams has to do is arrive at a clear and consistent message about migrants that unifies the Democratic Party in New York City. And he struggled with that. You know, one day it's this, one day it's that. One day it's blame the White House, the next yeah, day, you know. And, and I think that this is actually an attempt to start to do that. Because one of the issues with how the city has addressed, it, addressed the migrant crisis is that it's been riddled with waste. 
I mean, there, there have been incredible inefficiencies and redundancies. It shouldn't cost $200,000 per migrant, um, you know, between hotels and food and this and that. I think this is an attempt to address that. So you can look at this from the long term. And I have a bit of a contrarian view on this issue overall, which is is that ultimately this is going to help save New York City's economy. I mean, New York City was suffering from population decline and all types of other things. We've already seen it result in an influx in uh, funding for public school education. That does not mean there are challenges. There aren't challenges immediately. But to address this crisis, and the mayor hasn't done it, um, but others have, to address it with just blatant, rampant xenophobia and to ignore the fact that New York City is the immigrant city. And that's what has made it so beautiful but also prosperous. I I think people are going to come to to regret that that type of language. Yeah, I mean, this shows that I think Democrats are really, once again, walking this fine line. I think, obviously, being mayor of New York City is a thankless job. But I think, (laughs) in general, Eric Adams has been one of those Democrats who's been walking this fine line of hitting back against the Biden administration or criticizing the Biden administration, but at the same time getting criticized for spending too much on on migrants and the optics of what that looks like. All right, meantime, President Biden trying to flip the border issue. The president is uh, considering using sweeping executive authorities to potentially limit asylum access for those who are illegally crossing the border. It's the same authority, by the way, that former President Trump used that was challenged in courts. The Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson not convinced, saying, quote, in an election year after the president has surrendered the border to cartels, the president suddenly seems interested in trying to make a change using uh, legal authority that he claimed until recently did not exist. Oh, you all are smirking. Mulvaney, wow. come on in, too. What, what? Well, well, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, we don't want to talk about Ukraine funding and Israel funding until you've addressed the border. OK, well, here's a bill with the board. No, we don't want that. You can't send us that because until the president does everything that he can do with executive power, we're not even going to think about doing anything in Congress. Well, we don't want that either. Like the the getting to yes part of this is is pretty. I, I would say if you'd have told me a year ago that the Republicans could find a way to give Biden so much cover on the border, I would have said there's no way that they can do it. And yet they continue to impress Well, Biden is floating this idea of an executive order that, like you just said, mimics Trump's policies. But you can't both blame Donald Trump for the crisis at the border and then go and try to copy what he did to fix it. So uh, sign the executive order or don't. Really, to me, it doesn't matter because you might as well shred that piece of paper unless Joe Biden suddenly becomes a firm commander in chief and enforces the law and truly shuts down the border and forces this illegal immigration, I should add that word in, illegal immigration issue to come to a firm halt Nothing is going to change. It's truly his posture that's created this problem to begin with. It also comes at a time where you were hearing this news ahead of the State of the Union. And I think you're hearing a lot of chatter about from Democrats about how the State of the Union is going to be this reset for Biden to really bounce back in the polls. And I think this immigration chatter and this, you know, development could play into that. Okay, Mick, is is anyone not not to use the word right but like what chris said like it's just to follow the tennis ball bouncing back and forth of hypocrisy is it not 
Uh, the, the, what Chris said rings true in my ears, which is I never thought I'd see that Republicans actually losing on the border. But keep in mind, they just lost in the special election in New York when the Democrat, Tom Suozzi, actually grasped the border issue and was sort of more to the right than, than most Democrats are. But Julie's absolutely right. I, I get the feeling this is going to be this is teeing up for the State of the Union. Uh, and what, what I'm envisioning now, having watched these speeches been written a couple of times, is there's going to be a couple lines where he says, and as of tonight, I'm doing X, Y, Z on the border and every Democrat will stand. And they'll use that to try and beat Republicans over the head on the border issue. So you can see this sort of coming. The dominoes are falling. They're going to try and do something aggressive on the border in the speech and see if they can follow up on that success they had in that New York special election by trying to make the border issue theirs. I never thought I'd see it, but I think we might be seeing it now. You should right. watch out, though, for the left flank oh, yeah. on this. Okay. I mean, that, that, that's not something to be ignored. They're already vote, vo- voicing opposition yeah. and protest. Yep. Um, it will be a challenge to okay. unify the party. Around. If right. we think that the State of the Union is going to be Biden's big comeback, I don't think an hour-long speech from Joe Biden is going to be anything of a glowing, resounding, beautiful performance. Okay. That's going to be rough. Before we head to the okay. break here, I should know tomorrow marks two years since Russia's unprovoked full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Two years of Vladimir Putin's forces inflicting mass murder, rape, torture, kidnappings on the people of Ukraine. Wherever you fall in the debate uh, of America's role there... We can all agree that what we've seen is some of the worst of humanity. But we've also seen some of the best as people fighting against all odds determined to exist. I want to throw a picture up uh, real quick. Picture that caught my attention. Show it in full if we can, which is Ukrainian troops today. This was taken today, and you can see them with their munitions there on the ground. And in the forefront, a soldier holding a teddy bear. Real quick around the table, what do you see in that image? Uh, I, I, when we think about um, the worst of times, we also know that the human capacity, people are the worst, mm-hmm. but people are the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will just say that we will long remember uh, if, uh, it's, it's a little emotional to see it, um, but, but I will just say that um, if you'd have told us two years and a week ago that we would see this, un, this unprovoked, full-scale, massive attack we would say, no, history's kind of over. Putin's not going to do that. He's got a methodology. And I would just remind everybody, we are not at the end of history, and this story will keep unfolding, and we as Americans have to, have to remember what our role to play in this is. Okay. All right. Coming up, still here from the Hill. Should we start blaming the food companies? President Biden is weighing what to do about them as he slams the hikes in grocery prices that we've seen now for years. What about going after the food company, shrinkflation? And how about these chips of a much different kind? Have you heard about this company, NVIDIA? It is now a $2 trillion behemoth. So what about it? And is it too big to fail at this point in time? The Hill on the other side of the break. In large part in thanks to NVIDIA. It's the chip maker that has now become the third most valuable U.S. company. Get this, it touched $2 trillion in market cap earlier today. It made a trillion-dollar leap in just eight months. Eight months, it went from $1 trillion to $2 trillion. Mick Mulvaney, uh, come on back in. Is this company too big to fail at this point in time? We've talked for decades about things that are too big to fail. Is, is that where NVIDIA is right now? 
Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that till you texted me about it before the show, and my my stomach just sank, and I'm thinking, yeah, they probably are. Um, yeah. Think about the, the strategic importance of chips and so forth. Think about all the money the government has thrown at the chip industry in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, my guess is if NVIDIA tomorrow goes belly up, someone in Congress is going to say they're, they're, too, they're too big to fail, they're too structurally important to fail. So you put them in the same classifications as maybe, not the banks certainly, but the Boeings of the world, the North of Grumman, if there's a national defense need for it. Yeah, I think it probably is on that too big to fail list. And I wonder how much of the stock price reflects that. All right. Um, you know, the, the market's been ripping. We don't hear Democrats talking about it. Why? You think they would? In an well, Biden cycle. just started. Biden, Biden just started this week. He put out a note about how, you know, a rising uh, 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 stock market reflects health of the American economy and faith in the American economy. It's really hard. I'd be curious to know what Max thinks about it, because it's really hard for the Democrats to start talking about it. I know he's from New York, and I get all that. But when, during the Trump administration, we always talked about the markets, and all the Democrats said it doesn't help people on the bottom half of the economic scale. So I'm wondering how they message it now that it's one of the bright spots they're hoping people actually pay attention to. Yeah, we forget about what we said in the Trump presidency, and we talk about this now. I mean, that, 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 that's politics, buddy. You know that. You can't take the politics out of politics. Um, but, uh, but look, in the end, it is a, a sign of a you know, remarkably successful economy, but not the only stat. I mean, you also look at the you know, historically low unemployment rate um, and, and so many other factors. Okay. So, uh, uh, you know. It's a great it's a great economy. Right By now. the way, show the tweet, because this this made me laugh earlier this week. Dad, why is my sister named Rose? Because your mother loves roses. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome, NVIDIA. I think a lot of people think it that way. All right. If you are shopping in the grocery stores and noticing a smaller serving size than before, you're not alone. It's called shrinkflation. Politico reporting that President Biden is planning on hitting shrinkflation and corporate greed potentially in his upcoming State of the Union address. Not the first time the president has gone after food companies. He mentioned shrinkflation in a post on X the same day of the Super Bowl. Watch. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Give me a break. Is this going to work? Because everybody knows what you can't, like, not... Not forget what happened in the last three years with inflation. So is it trying to shift the messaging on you're, the shrinkflation? You're actually seeing more polling suggest that Americans are, you know, blaming some corporations for shrinkflation. And, you know, there's, you know, I've talked to a few business analysts this week and experts who were talking about how corporations and companies are literally, if you t- look at a soda bottle, or a soda bottle, a bottle of water, yeah. you can actually see indents. Here's in the Bob Casey tweet. To. No, keep, keep going, but here's yeah, Bob Casey yeah. on, on Gatorade, if you can so, show that real quick. I think it potentially could work for Biden, but I think there still is this blame towards Democrats on inflation. But, by the way, as, as, as you might remember, we had Kevin O'Leary, Shark Tank fame, Mr. Wonderful himself on the show earlier this week, and here is what he uh, said to us as it relates to what's going on with food prices and the election. Watch. Food is a killer for any incumbent, doesn't matter what party you're in. When food inflates and you're in an election cycle, this is the enemy of the incumbent. Mm -hmm. Consumer prices the last four years on food, 4%, 7%, 10%, finally starting to stabilize at 2.5%. So can you turn the tide by focusing on, quote-unquote, shrinkflation? (sighs) 
I, this is going to be, I agree with uh, Mr. Wonderful, it's going to be really tough for Joe Biden to get the narrative positive on this one. And I like to think that, um, you know, everything is relative, right? His policies are all related. So if he's going to go hard against energy, that's going to affect the farmers. If he's going to allow China to be buying up our farmland in this country, that's going to affect our food product, our food sources. And so all of this is definitely relative. You can't just isolate one or the other and say food prices are going up. Well, it it comes back to the policy and the way that Joe Biden acts when he talks to our farmers and the way he treats them. Real real quick, does this work? Well, a year ago, it was phantom fees, right? When we had the State of the Union, these airlines are going to do this stuff. And I mean, you know, Mau Mauing corporate America and saying these rapacious fat cats and that you're (laughs) against them probably does. I I don't know. It's probably better than nothing. But the that number when you that you showed up there, the stabilization of the prices. I I know I'm a broken record on this, but what happens is he's got until the end of June. The president has until the end of June that if people are feeling economically better, then he can win re-election. But if they don't, it ain't going to work. All right. Coming up on the other side of the break, it is Hot Mike with Mick. Uh, Mick was telling you how I was texting him some things earlier today. Mick, Mick texts me during the show, by the way, and we'll get into some of what he's been texting me. Also, what he's Uh-oh. been hearing uh, as it relates to the, to the House Freedom Caucus and, and what's going on with those folks. Hot Mike with Mick. Other side of the break. News Nation tonight, an unbalanced special on the eve of the critical South Carolina primary. Leland Bittard goes one-on-one with former Governor Nikki Haley. Why she's staying in the race and how she thinks she can win the Republican nomination tonight at 7 Eastern on News Nation. All right, so before we end the week here on the Hill, a little time for Hot Mike with Mick. Hey, Mick, let's start with the, uh, the judgment against Donald Trump. Finalized today, so it was actually submitted in court, and now we have the final figure. $454,156,783.05. By the way, <laughs> that increases because of interest by $87,502 per day. Gee. What does this mean for Trump? Yeah, actually, I think that the, the, they readjusted it. It's $111,000 of interest per day. Okay. Here's the problem okay, he's, he's facing, okay? <laughs> Exactly. Appeals are not free. Okay. If he wants to appeal this, he has to post a bond. The bond is typically 120% of the the money judgment. That's roughly a a half a billion dollar bond. That would cost him $50 million. He has to come off a hip $50 million, but he has to find somebody to actually provide that bond. And a lot of folks uh, understand are saying, look, we don't want to sort of lend Donald Trump this money because he might be the president. And how do you collect a, a, a bond amount against the president of the United States. So he might have difficulty finding a bond so that he can continue his appeal. Why, why not use his own 50 million liquid? Nah. No, 50 is not the problem. It's the 500. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, some news from the caucus that you helped found, of course, the, the Freedom Caucus. It is pressing Speaker Mike Johnson for a year long stopgap funding bill. What are you hearing? Um, that the honeymoon is over for the speaker. They, he took a, a kick in the teeth when that vote failed a couple of weeks back on the Mayorkas uh, impeachment. And you're hearing more and more about individuals within the Freedom Caucus, maybe not a Freedom Caucus movement together, but individuals saying, you know what, I, I thought Matt Gates got some really good PR. He raised a bunch of money when he uh, brought the motion to get rid of Kevin. Maybe I'll be the guy mm-hmm. to get rid of Mike Johnson, and that'll help me make a bunch of money as well. 
Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, you've, been, you've been texting me, Mick, all these ads that you're getting in South Carolina. Explain to the viewers what, like, what's, it, what's going on right now in the final hours there as, as you sit there in your home state. It's really weird. I've received no less than half a dozen emails while I've been sitting here for the show and texts and so forth. <laughs> I know. The, the, yeah. the, the Nikki Haley ones make sense to me because she's trying to, you know, sort of get people to vote. It's the Trump things that I don't follow. These are actually texts from the Trump campaign. They're not well-meaning sort of supporters. They're not PACs. It's, it's Donald Trump for president 2024. And that tells me one of two things. And I don't have a feel for it one way or the other. Either they sense some weakness. And they want to make sure their people show up tomorrow or, and this is, I got to think more likely, they're looking to run up the score. They really, really, really want to, want to put a stake in Nikki Haley tomorrow and they're leaving nothing on the field as they, uh, as they go into the last 24 hours. Okay. Hot mic with Mick. Thank you, Mick. Uh, hang around here for a few. You know, we've been covering President Biden's Michigan problem for a while now here on the Hill as Democrats continue pressuring the president to change his stance on Israel. Earlier this week, Steyerwalt uh, did a great job breaking uh, that whole issue down. Yesterday, I included Chris's segment in the newsletter, uh, our newsletter, and we asked, you know what, if you have any questions about what you've seen on the show, send us an email. We'll, we'll talk about it here. We received some comments. We're going to live up to our word. Here's a question that was posed uh, in relation to Chris's segment. How many of those Democrats urging other Democrats to vote uncommitted will eventually come back home and vote for President Biden in Michigan in November? So the backstory here is there's a there's an effort in Michigan, Chris, to have Democrats vote uncommitted to sort of send the president a message in the primary next week. What, a, what about that viewer question? Well, question. Uh, as all journalists, uh, I oppose accountability for myself. Uh, so I'm offended to be asked questions about. Uh, no, no, no. no. Uh, look, most of them will. Most of the okay. people who would vote uh, uncommitted would vote Democrat in a general election, would, would vote for the Democratic candidate in general election. The problem isn't that. The problem is that they don't vote at all. Uh, and that they stay home and that these are disaffected people. Donald Trump faces a similar problem in South Carolina. Uh, A similar problem will be revealed for Donald Trump in South Carolina, which is that a big chunk of the the Republican Party might stay home or be underwhelmed for him in those precincts, uh, in similar precincts in other states. And that's what Biden's concern is more about. It's not that they're going to vote for Trump. It's that they might not vote at all. How worried are you? Not worried because it's February. Okay. Right. And I think that many of the well, folks that, that doesn't seem like you jumping up and down and, no. and, and you know, being all being all thrilled with everything uh, there <laughs> about, about. Yeah, I'm certainly not spiking the football. on this <laughs> right, issue. Right. It, it's an, it's a political issue. OK. And but he, here's the thing, though, the folks who are voicing it in Michigan from Rashida Tlaib to so many others understand their political power as a consequence of Michigan being such a pivotal swing state. Right. And they are not voicing this position with, with such you know, adamance because they're going to stay there. They're looking to exert some leverage. And that means that they will come back. And, and I have confidence that the coalition will be maintained. OK. All right. By the way, as you know, uh, about 24 hours until polls close in the state of South Carolina tomorrow night for the Republican primary. So let's go around the table as we close out the show this week. Predictions from the panel. I think everyone thinks that Donald Trump is going to win. Uh, Roma, I'll, I'll start with uh, start with Max and Roma. 
Give me a number. How, how big do you think Donald Trump's winning by tomorrow? Oh, well, it's going to be huge. It's going to be the, the biggest win. No, it really is going to be huge, though. I mean, I would say Donald Trump will probably be around 33 wow. points up. Um, he definitely will beat her. And I believe, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, it's winner takes all when it comes to the delegates. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's by congressional. It's a spread. Okay, spread through the congressional. You, you got it by a lot less. Yeah, 17. And that's because new voters. Julia? 29. Hmm. Did we get a number out of you? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know what you got out of me, but I will. But I will tell you, I'm changing my vote. Okay. And I'm vote. I, I think that it's going to be Mick Mulvaney's golf sweater, uh, <laughs> which I find extraordinarily comforting. I feel like I'm about to go out at Pebble Beach with Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. The energy of Mick Mulvaney's V-neck golf sweater is going to change this race, and it's going to storm to victory. <laughs> Mick, give me a number. I got a run, but give me a number. Not even Taylor Swift. Not even Taylor Swift can save Nikki Haley. Trump by 32. Okay. All right, Mick. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much to all of you. Great show. We'll be back here tomorrow. Uh, By the way, special election coverage from the state of South Carolina.